Welcome to Death by DVD's Five Days of Halloween. The death of slasher movies. Night one. Welcome to the Death by DVD Halloween special, episode one. I am Alexander Nash, and with me as always is Hank. It's Hollow Week. Finally, we have a name for this. Hollow Week. Five days of Halloween with Death by DVD. Five days with some of the worst slashers ever made. But there's a point. We're not just cramming dog shit down your throat for fun and laughing at you. It's the death of slashers. We have finally gotten to the end of our exploration, our little what are slasher movies by Death by DVD. I don't think we did a a piss poor job explaining. I mean, we started with some pretty interesting things, Mario Bava and Dario Argento. And now we're going to talk about why slashers ultimately died. And it's because of all the movies we're going to be discussing. Not in particular, but this is a representation. These are slashers that killed the genre. And to start things off, we'll be talking about our first film, which is Final Exam. The problem with it is it's just the characters are generic. It's a generic college story of we've got to, uh, these few students are going to cheat on a test. These guys are hooking up. These people aren't. These people are going to get married. And it's all very soap opery bullshit. And the actual killing just seems to randomly come in. It's more more of like a slice of life after school special type movie about college life until you have the killer show up. And even at that point, the the violence is not much. Uh, It does have a couple of throat slittings, uh, some some arrow kills, some things like that. But post that, it's just kind of really bland. The entire movie is incredibly bland. bland. I actually have it on Blu-ray. I bought the... uh, Screen Factory Blu-ray when it came out because it had a commentary on it. I had to hear the goddamn commentary to ex- like, please explain to me what the hell was on your mind when you were making this film. But it's just an actor commentary, and they just said, "Yeah, we were in North Carolina and we filmed this, and it was fun." And that's all they talk about. I never talk about who this dude is, what's going on in the movie. <laughs> no one has ever explained this film to me whatsoever. Um, again. It's well-made overall. It's a well-made film as as far as with cinematography. The direction's fine. The acting is all fairly well done. It's very uh, 1980s uh, Vaseline cam. It's all very um, hazy in a way. But overall, it's just nothing happens. And you don't know what the fuck you're even watching or why you're watching it. And I've always found this one to stick out from the rest of the crowd from things like, you know, Madman, The Mutilator, all these different kinds of uh, slasher films, mostly just because nothing. It's nothing. It's so much nothing. It just doesn't have anything to sink your teeth into whatsoever. And I've always found it to be very interesting because of that. I just wanted to know more about what the fuck were they thinking when they made this other than slasher film. And I don't... don't think they ever made it past that. I think they just, oh, we'll have a guy killing people. It's, you know, like Halloween. Here you go. And that's it. Here, it's ready to consume now. 
And I've just never gotten this film, but I do find it infinitely fascinating because of all those reasons of just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on or why. I think this movie has a little bit of comparability with something like Random Acts of Violence, although I think Random Acts of Violence is a bit more successful with its storytelling. You are given a very clear-cut example as to what the I-80 killer's motivation is, albeit at the end of the movie. Regardless, you still see something. There's a transition, there's a, a character development. If you recently watched Joe Bob Briggs' Halloween special, you'll have heard him talk about Eli Roth, how Eli Roth really loves to develop characters to the extent that when they die, it's somewhat emotional for you. And for me, when I was going through Final Exam, you mentioned Radish, Joel L. Rice's character. He was one of the only ones I really cared about, but it was a weird sort of I don't know, when you've seen a, a, enough 80s movies, there's always sort of that sympathetic nerd character, and I think None of them were really well-rounded. They aren't really polished stones. They're all sort of ideas of characters. You've got the jock and his best friend who are kind of douchebags, but it's just, there's no centralization to it, and it's missing something like Halloween, how none of the characters are really developed, but in four or five minutes, you know who PJ Souls is. And just, you know, that's sort of the thing when you're looking at a slasher film, you're looking at an American slasher film, there's a format to that sort of thing, and you're looking for that format. And I'm not talking about the hokey bullshit rules, you can't smoke pot, whatever. We've we've talked about that endlessly. There's no need going back into it. But I just mean caring about the character before they die, something that I think this movie has an attempt at attempting to do, um, but even not knowing who the killer is, that doesn't so much bother me. It's just how, uh, I don't know, brutal and random the violence comes down to with no point. I mean, sure, the Dick character dies, but I didn't want really anybody to die. The one kid tied to a tree, there's a, a whole hazing ritual. He's not tied to a tree being killed, but he's being hazed and they leave him outside tied to a big oak tree. I felt bad for him. It kind of was the opposition of what I want coming from a slasher movie. I don't want to so much feel, like, that bad. I mean, sure, you want to enjoy the gore, you want to feel a little bit like a freak and have some fun with the horror, but every time somebody died for me, it was like, well, I didn't I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> there was, I didn't have any fun with that. Uh, next, I guess. So that's, that's kind of my issue. Final exam, to me, will always have a special place just because of how, like, how random and weird it is, but it's also something that killed the genre for being that way. Just because you just don't get your money's worth. You watch it and just kind of go, okay, I, I just watched a thing happen. And then it just doesn't resonate. I mean, it looks nice. It's, it's shot well. And I'd say like the first 20 minutes or so, you get a lot of camaraderie with the actors. It seems you know, uh, outside of the four walls that they're they're real. You know, you've got that whole sequence where, and this is just brutal, the beginning of the movie, there's this wicked, the whole school shooting thing where masked killers with machine guns jump out of a van and blast and mow students down, and it's all one big prank. It's a senior prank, a very elaborate, horrifying one that would not fly in today's era whatsoever. But the sheriff comes along, and uh, he's, he's pretty annoyed with it. And that scene is one of my favorites, because you've got the coach coming and joking and, Almost every cast member is together. It just is fluent. It works and it seems nice, and then it just kind of panders off to the slasher audience. It just kind of moves into a, we got to kill these people, by the way. We, we really have to rush and kill these people. That bothers me a little. You, sp you, you want me to get familiarized with these characters, and you want me to find a common ground with them so I can understand them, and then it goes into overdrive, and it's kind of like where the direction of 90 slashers turned into things of, like, fuck it, kill them. 
Who cares? It's Freddie Prince Jr. We're going to kill him. Why not? Who doesn't want to kill him? Which I never did. I liked him and his father. Well, I mean, you do bring up a valid point because it, this one out of all the 80s slasher films feels the most like a late 90s, early 2000s slasher film as it's just about characters and no one particularly cares about the the slasher plot that's that's going on so i mean you could have easily remade this at that time period and people would like i mean it feels a hell of a like i know you did last summer film like that where it's just kind of overall just incredibly bland and there's no one really to write home about nobody amazing in the cast i can't really tell you much more about jimmy houston so from 1981 final exam Check it out. It's I know we're supposed to be selling people on sit down and watch these movies. I don't know. I don't I don't have a like a better driving force outside of it's kind of fun. It's a it's very different. And I think the whole tone and the feeling of the movie is very different. And it's very anticipatory. You feel I, I feel as you watch it and experience it, you're kind of just waiting for something to pop out and actually happen. Although murders and very grisly murders are happening it just still doesn't seem to happen. Whatever you want and you're waiting for, it just doesn't fulfill, and it just doesn't seem to happen. Final exam. All right. Let's move on to our next film on this list, which is, Hank, you have the list. What is it? 1987's Berserker, written by Jefferson Richard as Jeff Richard, uh, directed by Jeff Richard. This one fucking sucks. I hate this movie. <laughs> okay, this is pretty much how all these podcasts are going to go, is me going, this one fucking sucks. Well, I mean, from where we just left off going into this movie is almost the exact same sentiment, because the entire time you're experiencing Berserker, especially at the beginning when they kind of lay out something mystifying, and it's very, very different from your average horror slasher of the genre because it's Viking-themed, you just wait the entire fucking time, like, all right, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And nothing happens ever. Not at all. You just get to see some really good uh, exposition shots of Bart the Bear. If you're a fan of Bart, the original, not Bart 2. OG Bart the Bear from The Edge with Anthony Hopkins. That Bart the Bear. Well, this movie is like, it has a generally okay premise about Nordic, like, uh, immigrants coming to a certain area and bringing their myth with them of... The Berserkers, which it's one if you of the very rare Wisconsin is, horror films, I guess. I don't know. It's it's, it's got to be somewhere up there. Fargo, North Dakota, Wisconsin. There's not that many sure. Viking states, I don't think, in the United States. But the the general idea is that the Vikings used to have Berserkers, which were dudes that they would basically abuse, feed drugs to, and turn them into these bloodthirsty fucking killers who would be decked out in, like, bear claws and, <laughs> like, bear snouts, and they would just release them onto a uh, onto a, a foe that they were trying to uh, to vanquish, like a, like a, another army, and they would just go batshit insane and fucking kill everything in their path. And But the spirit of the Berserker lives on. I mean, in a whole, they're Viking special forces. They would load them up with cyclobin and magic mushrooms, and they were the big, crazy Marine Corps kind of guys that went out and chopped everyone's head off with an axe and that kind of thing. Yeah, so the general idea here is the spirit of the Berserker... My love for you is like a truck belzaka. Would you like some making fuck belzaka? That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? 
can live on and possess its uh, its uh, relatives and, you know, down the line. So you have a group of college, I'm assuming, kids. I'm not real sure what, they're, uh, what ages they're supposed to be. They all look uh, like they're in their late 20s, early 30s. They go out camping. Though, as they're camping, they encounter the Berserker. But so much of this movie is these people running around the goddamn woods nothing happening and the possibility of well maybe it's not this berserker character maybe it's this bear because we keep getting shots of this bear intertwined with everything else maybe it's just a bear killing everybody else and i don't know why they went with this idea this like weird let's run interference for the slasher and let's let you know let's let's try to flip it like an m night Shyamalan film there's a twist there's no twist if you have no slasher, then you have no movie. You have a bear attack movie, which is infinitely less interesting than some crazed Viking spirit killing people. And the problem is they give you the illusion that it might be a man-bear movie. So you're also running on that very tensely. Like, is it a man-bear? Is it a man that turns into a bear? Is it a man that turns back into a bear? I don't know. And you know what it is? It's fucking George Buck Flower. It's it's Pappy Ninquist. The one thing I will say that is pleasing and wonderful about this movie, the fact that there's a character named Pappy Ninquist. It's also got one of the dudes from They Live in it. Two dudes from John Carpenter Films. Two dudes from They Live are in this film. They're barely in it. George Buck Flower is barely in it. And most of it is these teens just walking around the woods and like running away from whatever's supposed to be killing them. And there's barely any violence. There's barely any people killed. Barely? Maybe two <laughs> to it. three of them. Yes, there's a pun deeply intended. <laughs> but like, there's no one really dies. Like two or three of them die. Way too many people live till the end of this film. And it's just... Dude, only the women die. That's the fucked up thing. Only the women die. It turns into a sausage fest and it's a bunch of these like Jersey Shore guys that are all very wounded that get to live at the end of the day after... Uh, I got who, who was the sheriff? Uh, it doesn't matter. He's the guy who uh, Roddy Piper encounters at the newsstand. He goes, hey, what's your problem, buddy? That's all I know. <laughs> Mr. John Goff. He finally, uh, and God, I'm sorry, big ass fucking spoilers. He has to shoot the, the berserker because we didn't, I guess we didn't get to that part. There's a bear and a berserker, but the berserker is George the bear. Flower. The bear saves the teens. That last scene of the movie, I think, is one of the greatest things of all horror history is George Flower. And if you're not familiar with him, he was a very rotund, large man. He slowly, he begins as this very buck, like pyro from fucking American Gladiators. This huge buff guy with a big bear snout on and then slowly morphs into a big old naked fat man. And that's it. That's the last scene of the movie. Like, oh, but he's alive. You know, because you can't get past the curse of the berserker that we all know and love so well, you know, because when I was a kid, that's what my parents told me about. Be afraid of the Viking ghosts. Fucking weird. It's, I mean, you got to give credit and you try to give a little points for it being uh, abstract, I guess you could say. It's a little bit different. Like, all right, you're going to go with a Viking ghost horror story in the middle of the 80s, 1987. Give me a fucking Viking. Give it to me. Stop me, like, obscuring it with all this, like, bullshit of a bear. Just give me the dude. I think you would know that you're getting into trouble at the very beginning of this movie because they show you the Viking boat that the Berserker is getting off, and it's like a seven-year-old painted it and some two-by-fours on a canoe. So that alone is, is a little bit of knowledge, but it's still... I hate the term. Somebody pointed this out to me the other day. It's kind of like your catchphrase, movies are fun. Berserker is kind of fun, though. And it's just that really, I, I hate to point out substance abuse making times better, but it really does. It's really one of those movies you have a few drinks or, uh, you know, smoke some medicinal marijuana. Or, 
you know, freebase some crack, whatever you're into, and then sit down and watch it. You'll laugh a little bit more. It might be better, but on its own, just straight up berserker from 1987. It's about George Buckflower turning into a bear man. So if that's your thing, bear man. It's probably the most important thing about this film, historically wise, is the original VHS cover art, which is like aped Pink Floyd's The Wall, where it has this kind of melting face on the cover for really no reason. And recently, this has been put out on like a special edition Blu-ray by uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and the Blu-ray looks beautiful. I've never seen it look this good. I've only seen VHS rips of it before, and they all look terrible. But Vinegar Syndrome did a really nice job on a really terrible movie. But it also has, I forgot all about this, we gotta get back to this, the Cool Dude song. Cause you're a cool dude. <laughs> that keeps playing endlessly throughout the film. I couldn't help but wonder if I was supposed to feel motivated the entire time. Like, I'm just so pumped up. I kind of feel like a cool dude, and they just die. But it's only the women. I think, what, you have a cast of, like, six people, and it's just all their girlfriends get killed. So, I mean, is it a misogynistic movie at its core? I don't know. It's a weird direction. Bad joke. Berserker, 1987. My God, have we reached the end of our first day of the five days of Halloween with Death by Well, hold on. Did we talk enough about Berserker? Yes, we did, because that is the entire film, like, all lumped up into one. It does have some interesting stuff at the beginning, like, explaining the Berserker and, you know, some some interesting shots. But just a problem with a lot of these foresty slasher films camp ones like you know take place at summer camps and also when people go camping is you can really pull running time out and really drag it on by just having a lot of nature photography and people like randomly walking around the woods calling other people's names and we'll get to other films on this list that do that as well where it's just like let's pad this out because i'm pretty sure it's um historical fact that they didn't have much more than a few pages of a script. They had a beginning and they had an end, and they said, we'll just fill in the rest once we get out there and start shooting. So they had no plan. It's just, let's shoot outside, and we'll just, you know, here, just ad-lib. Ad-lib ad uh, calling for this person, or oh, maybe we got to go over here. So it's just, that's the kind of movie you're getting. A beginning, an end, and a whole bunch of padding in the middle. A lot of the unfortunate things, too, is you don't get a lot of really nice nature photography because most of the movies were either shot on short-end 35mm or was fucking tape, so they didn't have a lot to work with in the first place, and you end up getting these 15-20 minute campfire scenes of everyone sitting around goofing off or some jackass playing an acoustic guitar and or they'll tell the legend and lore of whatever's going on, which can work for you know situations like Madman, the beginning of that movie. If you don't see anything else, you know the entire story at the very first five minutes of Madman, and in that benefit, it works. In this essence, ah, it's just a bunch of people drinking nothing out of cups, sitting around a fire that wouldn't warm anyone with no camping supplies. So you, you've got a lot of bullshit. And I guess we're just going <laughs> to... Basically, a lot of bullshit. And that's what we're going to be discussing over and over again throughout the next five days. Just a whole bunch of bullshit. I mean, if you're 
not a psychopath and you actually care about other people, you're more than likely going to be social distancing this Halloween. You're going to be hanging out home alone. There's not a lot to do. You could put on some shit like AMC's Fear Fest with whatever movies they've played for the Halloween last- Halloween 4. TV cut, again. Yep, same movies you've seen for the last 15, 20 years on Halloween, or you could sit down and torture your ear holes and then your eye holes with Death by DVD. Find these movies, and here's a hint. Everything on Death by DVD, Suicide by Slashers, or whatever we're calling it, The Five Days of Halloween, is very easily accessible with an app you probably use every single day. So with that, the ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. Join us tomorrow, because this truck is going to keep on trucking. I didn't think that one through. Good night. Join us tomorrow as the five days of Halloween continue on Death by DVD. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. And the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. At this, At this time, time, we, we conclude, conclude our, our broadcasting. broadcasting. My love for you is like a truck bouncer. Would you like something Oh, man.